0: Thank you for joining us for another podcast from the Commonwealth Club.
1: Good afternoon and welcome to today's joint program on the Commonwealth Club and World Affairs of Northern California. The mission of the Commonwealth Club of California is to be the leading national forum open to all for the impartial discussion of public issues that are important to the membership, to the community, and to our nation. We are delighted to partner today with World Affairs for this event. World Affairs convenes thought leaders, change makers, and engaged citizens to share ideas, to learn from each other, and to affect change. So I'm Joe Epstein, past chair of the Commonwealth Club's Board of Governors, and your chair for today's program. We're also pleased that moderating today's question period will be Dr. Carla Thorson, Senior Vice President of Programs at World Affairs of Northern California. And it is now my pleasure to introduce today's speaker, His Excellency Mamuka Bakhtadze, the Prime Minister of Georgia. Georgia is located in the geopolitically important Caucasus region of Eastern Europe. Georgia serves as a vital U.S. alloy and a gateway for American companies to access Eurasian markets. Georgia, the birthplace of wine, is bordered to the west by the Black Sea, to the north by Russia, and to the south by Turkey and Armenia. Georgia regained its independence from the Soviet Union in 1991, and for more than 25 years, its government has been a representative democracy. And today, Prime Minister Bakhtadze will address U.S.-Georgia bilateral relations and further strengthening the strategic partnership between the two nations, as well as the role that Georgia plays as a stable democratic stronghold in its region. He will also discuss how his government has been the champion of sustainable and inclusive economic development and has provided a perspective on advancing America's commercial interests in Eurasia and beyond. And under the Prime Minister's leadership, Georgia seeks stronger economic ties with Silicon Valley and the United States. Prime Minister Bakhtadze has been Prime Minister of Georgia since June of 2018 And he is committed to strengthening democracy and fostering a vibrant and sustainable economy. And he's helped advance Georgia's integration into the European Union and NATO, standing shoulder to shoulder with allies to strengthen global security. Domestically, Prime Minister Bakhtadze introduced a green economy agenda and lean government initiative that reduced the number of ministries and redirected budget expenditures to social programs. He has launched a comprehensive reform program to overhaul the country's education system, and he has pledged to allocate 6% of their GDP to boost human capital development and to empower sustainable economic growth. And prior to becoming the Prime Minister, Mr. Bakhtazi served as Minister of Finance of Georgia, and in his role he carried out a number of reforms to simplify banking regulations and the country's tax system. From 2013 to 2017, he was the CEO of JSC Georgian Railway, earning a place for Georgian Railway as one of the leaders in the industry. So please now welcome His Excellency, Prime Minister Mamuka Pakdazi of Georgia.
2: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. I'm here today to talk about a small country, but with big vision that is located at the crossroads where east meets west and where economic opportunity abounds. But before I talk about my country, Georgia, let me first comment on this club. The Commonwealth Club is a remarkable institution. The range of issues ideas, perspectives, people, and organizations you highlight here is really inspiring. That is why I'm so honored to be here today and represent my nation, Georgia. I can understand that being from Georgia can be a bit confusing for some Americans, Uh, and yes, I'm from south-central Georgia. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I don't live near near Atlanta, I live in Tbilisi, in the capital. (laughs) Georgia. So let me provide some perspective on the size and population of my country. We are about the size and population of South Carolina. This is all by way of explaining to you why I want to spend a few minutes introducing our country and highlighting the importance of our close partnership with the United States. Because we are a small nation, we may not be well known across the states. So let me try and focus on three numbers that I hope you will remember after you leave today. So the three numbers I want to leave you with are 1, 28, and 8,000. There will be a quiz at the end of the session, so take careful notes. The first number, 1, is for the election of Salome Zurabishvili, president of Georgia. She is the first female president of Georgia, and she is the first female president in our region. We are proud of her election in 2018 with her six-year term, and her election represents another milestone in our nation's progress towards diversity and democracy. Speaking of strong women leaders, one cannot visit this great city and this great state and not be impressed by the powerful lineup of your own women leaders, House Speaker Pelosi, Senators Feinstein and Harris, Mayor London Breed, who I'm going to meet later today, Lieutenant Governor Eleni Kunalakis, who I had the pleasure to meet yesterday. Perhaps most importantly is another women president, Dr. Gloria Duffy, the accomplished president of the Commonwealth Club. The second number is 28. This is a number of years we have been free of the Soviet Union and have started our own democratic course as an independent nation. I am proud to say that the United States has been with Georgia every step on this way. After breaking the chains of communism, we have been on a steady path to build the institutions of democracy. This includes creating a justice system that works and a representative democracy that is accountable to the voters, to our citizens. As a result of our reforms, Georgia is regarded as the top reformer country in the world. As a country which has the fastest growing economy in our region and is widely recognized as one of the easiest places in the world to do the business. We also have the third lowest tax rates in the world. We have made investments in our people and modern infrastructure that step by step is establishing Georgia as a regional hub. As a result of this work, today we are on the cusp of joining NATO, joining the European Union, and forging trade agreements with friends and allies like the United States of America. The World Bank ranks Georgia as number six in the world in terms of doing business. The Fraser Institute ranks us as number seven right after the United States for economic freedom. And in a reflection of our commitment to open government, the Open Budget Index ranks us as a number five in the world. Virtually all important indicators are moving in the right direction, from a free press to economic growth, which is above 5% and is two times higher than in our neighborhood, to investment in human capital and more. Finally, we come to number 8,000. That, my friends, is the number of years Georgia has been producing wine. (laughs) Yes, as documented by archaeologists, Georgia is now universally recognized as the birthplace of winemaking. Georgia's tradition of winemaking began 8,000 years ago, 3,000 years before the invention of writing, and 5,000 years before the beginning of the Iron Age. Even the unique Georgian alphabet you may be familiar with, is modeled after the shape of the vine's Carly offshoots. Many of the vines still in cultivation in Europe and Asia have a Georgian origin, and even Western words for wine like vin, vino, wine, likely come from the Georgian word vino. Now, California knows a lot about wine. My understanding is that the first California wines were produced in the seventy sixties. You are the fifth largest producer in the world, producing more than 240 million cases, generating 75 billion USD in economic activity, and supporting more than 300,000 jobs in California alone. It's not a bad progress for only a couple of hundred years. (laughs) In Georgia, our 8,000-year pace is a bit slower, but uh, our wine age is well. And when... (laughs) someone keeps doing the same thing over and over for 8,000 years, you finally master it. And remember, we created wine with you all in mind, and you are more than welcome. In sum, Georgians are tough, direct, loyal, optimistic, and moving forward with confidence. Nonetheless, the challenges are remaining. Russian Federation has occupied 20% of our country since 2008, and more than 80% of the population was forced to leave the occupied territories, their homes. Now, with 8,000 years under our belt and 70 years of Soviet occupation of our land, we are not about to let Russia to define our future. We are in complete control of our destiny, and our vision is for the future to build an ambition and to be a world-class place to live, work, and grow. It may take some time for us to regain our territory, but it will eventually happen. It clearly won't be through the use of force. It will be through the use of democracy, opportunity, development, and humanity. I gave you the three numbers to remember a little bit about Georgia, let's call it some Kind of fun facts, if you would like. And now I would like to give you three top-line reasons why Georgia is an important strategic ally to the United States of America and vice versa. First, Georgia is a strong U.S. military ally and a beacon of democracy resisting Russian aggression. We punch about our weight in our global affairs. Georgian soldiers are fighting alongside our allies in Afghanistan and Iraq. I'm pleased that the U.S. Congress recognizes our strategic importance, and that we have the bipartisan support. Just last month, House Foreign Affairs Committee approved the Georgia Support Act. This act is designed to protect our sovereignty against Russian aggression and will punish Russian adventurism with sanctions, among other important actions. Second, in my humble view, we are one of the last great undiscovered places in the world. Our landscape moves from amazing beaches on the Black Sea to the tallest mountain range in Europe, the Greater Caucasus Mountains. We have a wine producing climate on par with your Northern California weather. And as you know, we have 8,000 years of history. Our culture is rooted in European values and European civilization. Finally, we are open for business and welcome enterprising Californians to save the opportunities that does exist in Georgia. Our immediate regional market offers access to half a billion people. Due to our geographic position, we offer a unique access point for American businesses to reach European and Asian markets at one vital geographic inflection point. As Prime Minister, I don't rest on our natural assets. I'm focused on making investments in education, driving innovation in energy and the environment, and bringing more responsive government services to every region in Georgia. I'm personally focused on building an innovation driven ecosystem in Georgia. In fact, Georgia is the first country in the world that introduced the blockchain technology in the private sector, and so in the public services. I recently introduced our green economy strategy that focuses on environmental protection to improve the ecology across the country and save natural resources for future generations. I have two priorities in this strategy. The first one is to neutralize the results of previously careless environmental management and preserve existing natural resources in a way to ensure that Georgia is one of the leading green economy countries in the world. As a result, we have attracted a surge of foreign direct investments, including a new solar cell plant and an electrical manufacturing At the same time, it is important that we invest in infrastructure, including modern roads, ports, and high-skilled, highly-trained workforce. To that end, we plan to spend a quarter of our national budget on education with an ultimate goal that education and knowledge industries will comprise at least 12% of our GDP. In the era of disruptive technologies, I want Georgia to be at the forefront of the knowledge revolution. As a part of this effort, we will build new trade schools dedicated to high-tech engineering and other practical skills. You may be surprised to learn that San Diego State University operates a campus in our capital, Tbilisi, offering undergraduate STEM degrees, and I would like to see more partnerships with California's world-class academic institutions. I'm also happy to inform you that we have some interesting directions together with the Stanford University to explore in Georgia. In conclusion, let me state clearly that Georgia is on the move and in control of its destiny. And as I said at the beginning of my remarks, we're a small country with big vision that is located in a geopolitical crossroad, where east meets west, where north meets south, where ancient traditions meet innovations and modern technologies and economic opportunity abounds. I'm honored to speak to such an extraordinary organization in a remarkable city and state. Georgia is part of the global community, and we stand shoulder to shoulder with the United States and other nations of the world dedicated to democracy, opportunity, and the protection of our civilization. We need America and California to help us continue to succeed. And on behalf of my country, thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak with you today. Thank you
0: so our thanks to his excellency prime minister mamuka Bakhtadze of georgia and i'm dr carla thorson i'm senior vice president of programs at world affairs and i'll be moderating today's audience question period and i encourage you to write some questions um, and share them with me, and I will share them with our guest. But in the meantime, I have a few of my own to get us started. Um, First of all, I I know your trip to the United States is primarily focused on trade and investment, but why did you choose to come to San Francisco in particular?
2: Thank you for the question. Uh, Well, I have a very simple reason uh, reason for this. Uh, San Francisco and Silicon Valley, for me, is a a benchmark how the global economy will look like in the 21st century. And for me, it's a benchmark of success. For me, it is a benchmark of engagement, because I do believe that without the engagement, there is no chance to be competitive in the 21st century. And we are looking for the synergies, and Georgia, step-by-step, step, is becoming a regional hub in tourism, in international business, finance. And now it becomes in education and in technologies as well. So therefore, we see a huge synergy between uh, between Georgia and San Francisco and Silicon Valley and your great state. So I think that the biggest unlocked value that our region has indeed is related to human capital. We have very high qualified engineers in Georgia. We have very high qualified people in our neighbor countries as well. And these people have great ideas. They have great skills to to be very competitive. And we are actually on the edge of the fourth industrial revolution. And I believe in innovations, but I also believe that the innovations uh, will take a place only uh, in the ecosystem in which the engagement is on a top level. So therefore, trying to engage the one big global hub here and the smaller hub in our part of the world, I think, is a great idea. It's a great idea that will create enormous wealth and economic opportunities for everybody.
0: Mm -hmm. So are there possibilities for engineers from Georgia to come and train here in the U.S. at at universities? or?
2: Actually, uh, many Georgians are studying and working here, and uh, some of them I even see in the audience. Um, And um, we are trying just to take this to another level. Mm -hmm. And not only by sending Georgians here, but by creating the capacities for your universities in Georgia. Because as I have mentioned, one of the main goals that we have is to make Georgia a regional hub for education. And our aim is that in the next five years to reach at least 40,000 international students in Georgia. And it's very doable, taking into consideration that currently we have around 15,000 foreign students in Georgia. So it's a, it's a very interesting market. It's a vibrant market. And as I have mentioned, there is a stereotype that this part of the world is interesting only because of its oil and gas reserves. And uh, I don't believe in this stereotype. I think that the biggest unlocked value of our region is about human capital.
0: So... Why is increasing economic ties between our two countries such a high priority for you?
2: Well, well uh, United States and Georgia, we are, we are strategic partners, and uh, we have excellent cooperation in the field of security. Uh, our soldiers, shoulder by shoulder, are fighting against terrorism in Afghanistan, and we are the second largest contributor of the United States in this international mission. Uh, and when it comes to the economic cooperation, there is a big room for improvement. Around 200 companies, American companies, are currently working in Georgia, but we believe that there is a really big room for improvement because uh, Georgia can be a foothold for American companies to increase their presence in our part of the world. So. Georgia is a gateway for eight landlocked countries to the heart of Eurasian continent, which holds an enormous number of mineral resources, but at the same time, it's the fastest growing consumer market in the world. So it's not only about uh, Georgian market. It's about a very wide region. And therefore, Georgia is a unique platform for American companies to have a larger exposure over this fastest-growing market in the world. So that goes beyond cooperation between United States and, and Georgia. So here, I think that it is mostly about the cooperation between United States and our part of the world where Georgia can play a leading role.
0: So you mentioned oil and gas reserves. So could could you speak a little bit about that? Does Georgia actually have its own oil and gas reserves, or is, is Georgia's most... Um, strategic value in the, in the pipelines and the transfer of oil between the Caspian to the, to the Black Sea? This was a complicated question, I realize. <laughs> uh,
2: well, uh, we don't have oil and gas, but Georgia is strategically located, and so uh, many pipelines of strategic importance are crossing Georgia, including the oil pipeline and gas pipeline that is contributing to the energy independence of of Europe. So it really has a very big geopolitical impact as well.
0: Thank you. So this administration uh, seems more interested today in imposing tariffs rather than breaking down barriers to trade. And your interests are very much in the direction of Free trade. So, how confident are you that the Trump administration um, will seek a trade agreement with Georgia?
2: Well, uh, since our independence in 1991, uh, United States has been standing next to us and uh, supporting us. And uh, now our relations are on, are, is on the all time high level. And, and that's a very important fact. And therefore, when it comes to the economic cooperation, of course, it is a part of strategic partnership that already exists between uh, our countries. And um, as I have mentioned, uh, Georgia is a foothold for American companies to increase their presence in the region because everybody understands that the global competition is very fierce, Mm -hmm. especially if you look at Central Asia, South Caucasia. Other countries mm-hmm. uh, around Georgia. So Georgia is uh, can provide and is providing a unique opportunity for the American companies to increase the trade with that part of the world.
0: Mm-hmm. Wonderful. So, aside from the U.S., what countries are your biggest trading partners today?
2: The largest trade partner for Georgia is European Union, mm-hmm. Turkey, Azerbaijan, uh, and China, uh, Russia. Uh,
0: and of course Ukraine. Yeah. So let's let's talk for a moment about China. What what kind of presence do Chinese companies have in Georgia? And is Georgia part of China's larger one belt, one road initiative?
2: Uh, well it's it's all about geography, yes. Historically yeah. Georgia has always been the part of so called Silk Road. We have free trade agreement with China. At the same time, we are investing heavily in our infrastructure and uh, we are actually developing our critical infrastructure together with American companies. American companies are very active in Georgia in the uh, transportation sector. Currently, uh, Georgia is developing two major ports in Georgia. One of them actually was financed recently by OPEC and the second Deep support is also under consideration to be financed by American financial institutions and to be managed by American companies. And here we see a a great synergy because, for the geographical reasons, Georgia is a bridge between Asia and Europe.
0: Mm -hmm. So you mentioned in your remarks that um, one of your your primary efforts is to create a green economy in Georgia. Could you talk a little bit more about what things you're working on?
2: Well, I believe in the in in green economy. I believe that it will have significant economic upside. So 65% of our territory is mountainous, and 40% of it is covered by forest. And that's, that's a unique part of the earth. Unfortunately, due to non-sustainable policies, our ecosystem... Was uh, was a bit damaged, so therefore we we have changed our policy uh, significantly. So we set a very high standards for every sector of economy. I also would like to inform the audience that Georgia is one of the richest countries in the world by hydro resources. Although we are a small country, we are one of the richest countries by hydro resources. Therefore, it's an enormous. Opportunity to have the impact over green economy idea. So we also set up a very ambitious goal to get rid of the so-called traditional combustion engine cars in the next 10 years to switch to the e-mobility. Also, currently, in our energy mix, more than 80% of energy is generated by renewable sources. And we would like to hit the figure which will be More than 90%, which may sound like a super ambitious goal, but taking into consideration that we have hydro resources and we are one of the richest countries by hydro resources, I'm sure that we will be able to achieve
0: that. I know California would also like to achieve goals like that, so we can work together. So I'm going to change the subject, um, and look at some of the political and and strategic considerations, things that you raised in your remarks. Georgia being strategically located between the Black Sea and the Caspian and in a, in an interesting neighborhood, shall we say, with Russia to the north and Azerbaijan, Armenia and Turkey on your flanks. Um, it's an important place and it has been an important ally with the United States. Um, you commented in your remarks that Georgia has sent more troops per capita to Afghanistan than any other U.S. ally, and you've joined, you joined the coalition in Iraq as well. Can you just comment on, on why that was an important decision for your country?
2: Uh, well, uh, it's about values. My country has two major international aspirations— The first one is to become a member of NATO, and the second one is to become a full-fledged member of European Union. And I always say that these decisions are not political or only geopolitical decisions. These are civilizational choice of my nation because it's a value-based and value-driven choice of uh, Georgian people. Therefore it's about responsibility to be responsible for protecting the values it's about the responsible decision to have a contribution in fighting against terrorism against the biggest enemy uh, that humankind is facing of course and uh, you have asked us to join the coalition and if you have not asked that we would have volunteered because that's about strategic partnership and it's about protecting our values and our civilization
0: you are listening to the commonwealth club of california hear thousands of our podcasts on itunes google play and stitcher and when you're in the bay area please join us live for one of our 500 programs each year you can find us online at commonwealthclub.org now back to our program So we have a question here from the audience um, that's, that's focused on jo- the question of Georgia joining NATO and the European Union. And and what I'd like to ask is, what are the potential... Um, what's the prognosis, number one? And number two, what are the potential downsides or risks to entering either NATO or the European Union?
2: Uh, well, uh, let's start with the European Union. So if you take Eastern Partnership, Georgia is a uh leading country, and, and, and a brilliant example. We already have a, a deep and comprehensive free trade agreement with the European Union. We have a visa-free regime, and we are now focused to have a closer sectoral integration with the European Union and its institutions. When it comes to NATO, we are uh, the strongest partner for NATO, Uh, The partner that contributes a lot. But of course we don't have illusion. Uh, The membership of Georgia in NATO, we understand that, may not happen overnight. And this is related to the geopolitical context as well. But that's our aspiration. And for us this is uh, the skin in the game. Why? Because it is a civilizational choice of, of my nation. And we understand that this path will be full of obstacles, but we are ready. We are ready to overcome these obstacles with the support of our friends. More than 80% of our population actually supports the idea to become a member of NATO and to become a member of European Union. So it's not the so-called top-down decision. It is bottom-up. That's why I always try to highlight that the civilizational choice of my nation to be part of EU and to be part of NATO. And Georgia deserves it. We are actually meeting all the criteria, all.
0: So in terms of military cooperation, with the United States in particular um, reducing its footprint and presence in Afghanistan, Um, one of the great values of the partnership with Georgia has been the ability to to stage and move move men and materiel in and out of Afghanistan. So how is your relationship with the Trump administration today as compared with previous administrations with this shift in U.S. policy?
2: Well, as I have mentioned, since our independence in 1991, all administrations and the United States of America has been standing next to us during the toughest time in our recent history. And this partnership was progressing, and now it's on the all-time high level. This is, this is a great accomplishment. And when we are speaking about about Afghanistan, of course, here our cooperation with the United States is very strong, and uh, very intensive i would say uh, apart from being a part of the international mission at the same time georgia is providing uh, route and corridor for the nato soldiers and for american soldiers to do the logistics uh, to afghanistan so therefore when it come, when we are speaking about afghanistan the role of georgia is indeed very important
0: thank you So the other important challenge that you face, it's been more than 10 years since the war with Russia in 2008, and Russia still occupies 20% of Georgian territory. How would you describe your relations with Russia today? And are there any meaningful efforts to resolve the dispute over South Ossetia and Abkhazia and return this 20% of the country?
2: Well, as I have mentioned, unfortunately, Russia continues to occupy 20% of our uh, territory. And uh, the biggest challenge, the most painful challenge that we have is that the number of people living on this territory is, is declining year after year. Just to give you more information, for example, in Valley region, the number of population before the war was 120,000. Now it is 20,000. Out of which, 7,000 are Russian troops. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So basically, these uh, territories are getting more and more depopulated, and that's a that's a you know, biggest challenge that we have. And we are trying to create new opportunities for the citizens who are still living on these occupied territories, with providing proper access to healthcare, education, to to small and micro businesses. Um, at the same time. The people-to-people relation uh, between uh, Georgians and Russians is positive. More than 1.5 million Russian tourists are coming to Georgia every year. And as I have mentioned, our strategy is to make Georgia a regional hub, and it has been a historical role of Georgia for ages. And, of course, uh, here... When it comes to this conflict and occupied territories, the position of our friends is very important, especially the United States of America, and uh, I would like to express the gratitude because we have uh, bipartisan support when it comes to the territorial integrity of Georgia, and I'm sure that in the near future, when it comes to the ways how to overcome these challenges, we will have more and more tangible steps.
0: So this is a big question. How did the small Georgian population and culture survive centuries of being surrounded by Russia, Turkey, and Persia without being overwhelmed or assimilated?
2: (laughs) Well, thank you for the question. Actually, a similar question was asked by a friend of mine, a European politician. He asked me the same question, but he added that taking into consideration the... Uh, unpredictability in uh, region, that what Georgia plans to do, how we should react. And my answer was very simple. We should do the same as what we have been doing in the last 26 centuries. So (laughs) Uh, we are located at the crossroads of civilization. And Georgia is an ancient civilization uh, itself. And I think that the best way to describe Georgia with one word is, would be, resilience. Yeah. Georgia is a, is a resilient country. It's about our values, as I have mentioned. It's about our legacy. So, of course, any country is making its own political or geopolitical choices, but when we are speaking about Georgia, it goes beyond that. That's a civilizational choice. That's about the values in which we believe, and uh, we are considering ourselves as a part of this family when it comes to the European family and transatlantic community. Georgia is an organic part of it. Together with Georgia, NATO is stronger, and together with Georgia, European family is stronger. So, uh, therefore, as I have mentioned, for us, this is the skin in the game, and we have demonstrated that although these challenges really does exist, we could make a significant transformation of our country. And Georgia is a remarkable example that yes the challenges may exist, but if if there is a political will, if there is a support of society, if there is a will to start a democratic transformation, to consolidate democracy, to try to take the success to another level, try to punch above the weight, there is always a big room for improvement. So uh, so I'm sure that with this strategy with the support of our society, with the support of our friends, uh, will be uh, able to accomplish this historical mission for Georgia to enable the country to become uh, part of NATO and EU.
0: Thank you. So Georgia is is also a, a budding democracy, and you've had several successful democratic elections. And one of the things I'd like to ask you about is um, the influences that you may be experiencing. Georgia was among the first countries to experience a significant cyber attack um, in 2008. And um, I'm wondering whether you are seeing evidence and efforts to influence your own elections and outcomes of votes in your country from Russia or elsewhere.
2: Well, of course, I mean, cyber security uh, for every country now is a, is a top priority, and for the small nations, it sometimes is even more challenging because it needs really uh, significant resources, and here uh, we have an excellent cooperation with uh, the United States, with the NATO countries, and um, when it comes to cybersecurity, we have uh, – we are working now on the national strategy uh, for the 10 years. Okay, to uh, to mitigate all the risks associated with uh, with with cyber security, and I think that here in this respect, of course, in the twenty first century, uh, this uh, task will become more and more challenging. Uh, but at the same time, all countries have their own experiences how to deal with that. So therefore, sharing these experiences, from my understanding, can be a very good precondition for each country to be successful in fighting against cyber crimes.
0: Thank you. So as you know, there are many Armenians here in California, and so we have a couple of questions that are about um, your neighborhood, but specifically I wondered if you could comment about um, how, how Georgia is doing um, with the significant Armenian minority within your country. And we also have another question questioner asking um, about the Abkhaz um, minority and managing the internally displaced persons from that long-standing dispute. What steps has Georgia taken as a democracy in terms of maintaining the rights of minorities within your country?
2: Well, we have uh, excellent relations with uh, Armenia. We've been friends for ages. These two nations are living next to each other for ages. Uh, we are now actually very much focused together with the government of Armenia to um, uh, start some new regional projects to integrate our economies uh, even more. And Armenians are playing actually a very important role in uh, Georgia. And historically, the Armenian diaspora in Georgia, in the capital city as well, in uh, in Tbilisi had been playing a very important role in economic, social, cultural life of uh, Georgia and uh, in fact we are very proud about the diversity of Georgia because you can see you can find in Georgia the people from various ethnical uh, background and this diversity is the major strengths of our country and we are very, very proud of it. We have excellent relations with Azerbaijan. Azerbaijan is our strategic partner and our strategic partner is also Turkey. And therefore the Georgia is all about engagement, you know, it's all about multicultural environment and and that has been a historical role of Georgia to attract the people from all around the world and, and we are very proud of it. And, and therefore, any group of people in Georgia has a possibility to realize its potential, its vision about our country. And when I say that Georgia has all the precondition to become a regional hub, uh, I mean that we also have this historical legacy because Georgia is about engagement, it's about attracting people from our neighbor countries, from all around the world. And this environment and this historical legacy gives us the possibility to say that we have all the preconditions to become a regional hub for international business. Okay.
0: And just one follow-up question about this um, from from the audience, and, and that's specifically about, about Russians in Georgia. Can you... Comment on just what the the number of Russians who may be living in Georgia, and this is, of course, the the excuse or the reason that that President Putin is often used for seeking more um, involvement in, in with its neighbors. And so, I just wonder if you might comment on the Russian minority population in Georgia.
2: Uh, well, the people of Russian origin, they are. Citizens of Georgia and they, they love our country. And uh, as I have mentioned, they, when it comes to people to people relations, it's really positive. More than 1.5 million Russian tourists are coming to Georgia every year.
0: Thank you. So I'm going to come back to to the beginning of your remarks. So we have a few questions um, from the audience that are focused on high-tech and innovation. So I'm going to change the subject. Um, and this questioner would like you to tell us a bit more about the high-tech and innovation sector in Georgia and how you're fostering innovation. And another asks, what technologies are you most interested in? And the last is a specific question about blockchain technology and the way in which it's being implemented. If you could give us some examples of some of the things that you've been doing.
2: So thank you for the question. So let's start with blockchain technology. I'm a very big fan of it. I think that this technology will change a lot. So we were the first country to introduce blockchain technology in our public services, mainly in property registration process and we had extraordinary results so we could significantly decrease the cost while the efficiency rate was uh, almost uh, tripled so we are now working actually to implement the blockchain technology in, in other sectors uh, for example in healthcare and education so when it comes to innovations our vision is to make Georgia a, a regional hub for, for the startups and for the innovation. so, And um, we have started actually changing our legislation. I would like to provide the audience uh, this very interesting information. The first, about taxation. So as I have mentioned, we are the third lowest tax regime countries in the world. Uh, and especially when it comes to the startups and international companies who have research and development facilities. So we have abolished all the taxes for them the corporate taxes including the personal income tax for the international engineers who will work in the laboratories and in the research and development centers in georgia and of course that that's a very that's, that's a big advantage the second uh, is that uh, we uh, have started so called e-residence program so that means that entrepreneurs they can uh open the companies in georgia remotely without coming to georgia the third one is that we are co-financing uh the startups uh, at the early stage so we we are actually uh funding 50% of their costs 50 and that's of course is a, is a, is a very important advantage and so basically we have all the preconditions uh in georgia to Make a very strong ecosystem for innovations and startups, uh, but of course we are missing some uh, critical components as well. For example, VC uh, funds. And today and yesterday as well, I had uh, a very good conversation with with the local VC funds, and they are very much interested to do the the business in Georgia. So step by step, I think that we'll be able to create a very strong echo system uh, in Georgia for startups and for innovations, which will attract the people from uh, Ukraine, Russia, Belarus, Turkey, other neighbors of Georgia from Eastern Europe. And let me repeat myself again, uh, the biggest unlocked value that our part of the world has is about human capital. Uh, And I'm sure that with this ecosystem, with these rules of game, in uh, in Georgia, with the synergy that that Silicon Valley and and Georgia can have together, we we can open up uh, an enormous economic potential and and these untapped economic opportunities.
0: Okay. So you may feel you've answered this, but several questioners have asked it. So I feel I must ask it more directly. What is the biggest challenge you face in attracting capital investment in Georgia?
2: Uh, As I have mentioned, we are uh, investing heavily in our infrastructure. And connectivity, I think, is a very important dimension. So the second, I would say, education sector. We have launched this historical reform with an aim to have the most successful education system in our part of the world. So I, I have mentioned that we are number six in, in doing business index. And I, we have a similar goal for the human capital index. So our goal is that to be in a top five countries with a human capital index once we implement this reform and once we'll gain the, the concrete results from this reform. and And so commitment to invest 6% of GDP in education from the government side while private sector will invest another 6% of GDP is a, is a precondition to say that it will be the most successful reform in Georgia. And I think that with, uh, with the infrastructure project that we are currently uh, implementing and with the education sector reform, which we are currently implementing, we'll be able to attract more FDI to Georgia. My vision is that on average Georgia should attract around 15% of the GDP in terms of FDI, but we are focused on high-tech FDI, not an ordinary one. Yes, uh, uh, because the structure of FDI itself is very important. And um, uh, Georgia as our strategy is to make Georgia a regional hub, therefore We are focused to attract an FDI which will create the enterprises in Georgia that will be successful and competitive on the global level, not only about the domestic market of Georgia, because as I have mentioned, Georgia is a foothold to have the exposure over a very large geography.
0: Thank you. So we have a series of questions um, from people who would like your advice. So the first one is, with your experience as Minister of Finance prior to becoming Prime Minister, um, you worked on reforming the Georgian tax system. Do you have any suggestions for the U.S <laughs> for how we should reform our tax system? <laughs> um,
2: well, I think that the France should share its successful experiences with each other, yes. So, Personally, I'm a big supporter of an idea of a so-called inclusive growth. Inclusive growth, I think, should be the major economic philosophy in the 21st century, to be sure, to ensure that all the citizens are participating in the economic life of any country. Um, Therefore, the role of SME is very important because you cannot achieve an inclusive growth without strong uh, SME sector. And um, in in Georgia when I was the Minister of Finance unfortunately we had this situation in which for example the taxes for the large corporations were <clears throat> lower than the tax taxes for small and medium enterprises. And, of course, that wasn't the right way to create an inclusive growth. And, um, and, therefore, supporting SMEs with more incentives to grow, with trying to give them more opportunities to create more jobs, I think is the right way to create, the uh, inclusive growth. And, therefore, I think that for Georgia, at least, these are two major pillars. The first one is uh, inclusive growth which should be achieved with a second pillar, with promoting more SMEs to increase the portion of SME in total GDP.
0: Thank you. Well, so now we'll go back to your previous role. Um, Before becoming Finance Minister and then now Prime Minister, you were head of the Georgian Railroad and had great success there. And you may be familiar with California's high-speed rail project. which has been experiencing some uh, genuine challenges in being built. So can you talk a little bit about your experience in this sector? And is there any advice you might have f- for California with its high-speed rail project?
2: Well, uh, when it comes to railway, uh, unfortunately, I have the feeling that I I cannot be fully objective. You know, <laughs> <laughs> It's like the first love that you will never forget. Yeah? Railway is the most efficient mode of transportation. And when it comes to the green economy, to the sustainable development, no other transport can compete with railway. And that's my personal opinion. So in connectivity, railway can play a crucial role. Yes, some analysts have the argument that... uh, much upfront investments are needed for the for the railway infrastructure, but uh, from my experience, what I can say that the big investments in railway projects always have a positive outcome in the long run. Maybe, but it is the right way to go. It's the right way to promote the sustainable development and it's the right way to promote the the green economy and also i also like to highlight the fact that uh, the railway uh, also has a huge impact over social life you know and uh, i have seen with my own eyes for example the the cities in which you know all families have two or three cars you know when the railway has become available people were preferring to use the railway transport and i think that's a that's the right way to go—not to increase the number of cars in every city, but to create the public transport, and so that people have a people have a comfortable alternative to switch from the cars to the railway. Uh, in this case, so I'm a big fan of railway, and I understand that I, I may be subjective to to some extent, but uh, I would support any railway project anywhere in the world. <laughs>
0: Thank you. So I do have to ask you about Georgian wine and of course as you know we have quite a bit in California. So would a trade agreement mean more California wine in Georgia or more Georgian wine in the US or both? Uh,
2: thank you for the question. It would mean of course I mean more Californian wine in Georgia and more Georgian wine here. We should look at also at the scale. Yeah, so you are producing per week the same amount as we are producing per year. And you are one of the largest producers in the world. And actually, I'm very happy to see that in Georgia there are a couple of companies from California investing in winemaking in Georgia with our traditional techniques of winemaking. So I'm sure their business will be very successful.
0: So I think we've come down to our our last couple of questions and I I want to acknowledge uh, personally that that my experience has been that food from Georgia and Georgian restaurants and the hospitality is unparalleled. And so I want to ask you about visiting Georgia and about uh, particularly um, what Americans should um, think about when they plan to visit Georgia. And we do have one question from the audience. Um, My son a student in international affairs is going to Georgia this Sunday for three weeks. So what would you recommend? What do you want him to remember from his experience in Georgia?
2: Um, firstly, I would like to say that he is very lucky because June is one of the most spectacular months in, uh, in, uh, in Georgia. So what I would recommend is, of course, to mountains, uh, it's, it's an amazing experience also to see the Georgian seaside go to the eastern part of Georgia. It's a uh, wine winemaking uh, part of Georgia. They started making wine 80,000 years ago, so there are some interesting things to, <laughs> to look at. Uh, so that will be an uh, amazing and very productive experience. I'm very happy to see that number of uh, American citizens coming to Georgia is increasing year after year. So there are various options to take a flight from the United States to Georgia. And now we are working actually to establish a direct flight. It's very important. I'm coming from the private sector and I understand that it's very hard to promote strong economic cooperation without direct flight. So I do hope that next time when many of you are going to visit Georgia, you will have a chance to take a direct flight from the United States to Georgia.
0: So with that, our thanks to His Excellency Mamuka Bakhtadze, Prime Minister of Georgia. And I'd also like to thank everyone here, as well as our audience on radio, television, and the Internet. I am Dr. Carla Thorson, and now this joint meeting of the Commonwealth Club and World Affairs is adjourned. Thank you. Thank you.